All right, we are back. Welcome back to the Deep Press Cincinnati Sports Fan Podcast. I am Jesse, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about Bengals training camp, and we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds as well. Now, last week, it was the calf strain heard all around the city of Cincinnati. Joe Burr, Bengals quarterback, QB1-9, the franchise leader, franchise quarterback, whatever you call Mr. Joseph Lee Burr, injured his calf one week ago today. And myself, including a lot of people, (laughs) thought that, oh my God, this man cannot catch a break when it comes to the offseason. In his NFL career, he's been in NFL for four years now. This This is year four for Joe Burr. He hasn't had, quote-unquote, a normal offseason. It's always something. 2020 was a COVID year. 2001, he was rehabbing from a knee injury that he suffered in his rookie year. And then last season, he had an emergency appendectomy surgery. So, going into year four training camp, or year three. Say that year three, right? Year three, yeah, year three. You're thinking, oh my God, Joe Burrow is finally going to get a, finally going to get a normal offseason and watch out NFL world. It's still watch out NFL world, even with his calf injury. But damn, man, before the injury happened last Wednesday, he was talking with the media. You could just tell that Burrow was so excited. He was doing a lot of references of knock on wood, like, you know, if I stay healthy during training camp and that he wanted to play a couple of series in the preseason, I'm like, okay, let's go. We're finally going to get a healthy Joe Burrow offseason. And then last Thursday, it was hot as hell in Cincinnati. Just overall, last week was just absolutely terrible in the city of Cincinnati when it comes to the weather. Right now, it's perfectly fine. It's like in the mid-80s all week. Wish we would have had that last week, but I'm not, I'm not saying that the Heat played a part with Joe Burrow's calf injury, but it might have. Joe Burrow, it was towards the end of practice, okay? And he was rolling to the right. He was doing a play where he was scrambling, and he was going to find a receiver open where he was going to throw the ball on the run. And as soon as he planted on his right foot, came up hobbling, threw the ball to the ground, and then proceeded to hold his calf. Initially, when I saw the video, I was like, oh, my God, this man potentially might have torn his Achilles and he was going to be out for the season. That was just the the worry, stressed out, over panic, Jesse Mapati. If you didn't know, as a Cincinnati sports fan, I am very, <laughs> I jumped to, I jump into conclusions just like that. But I told myself, OK, relax. He's holding his calf, as I saw the video for a second time. They had to get the cart out. When I saw the cart first, I was like, oh, no. But then I realized, do you want this man that just strained his calf to be walking back to the stadium, into the locker room to get it checked out? And also, he had to go up a hill. You really think you want him to be doing that while limping? No. So the cart is there for a reason. You don't want to make that injury of the calf even worse. So, 
head coach Zach Taylor did say that he'll be out for several weeks. Now, a lot of us, including myself, were wondering, Coach, what does several weeks mean? Is that three to three to four weeks, four to six? I think that Zach Taylor is saying that Joe Burrow is not going to be playing in the preseason. Obviously, his training camp is most likely over, okay? Let's just be real. And people are saying that he's going to be starting week one in Cleveland. That game is on September 10th, okay? We're about, let's see, it's August the 3rd. We got like 37 days till kickoff in Cleveland. And as a person that has had a couple of calf strains injuries recently, those things usually heal up. It depends on how you're rehabbing. It takes a couple of weeks. I'll say two to three weeks for my injury. I had to be very careful. Couldn't run at all. And it was just basically icing and going to pool, doing those type of movements to gain some strength back on the calf muscle. Now, I am no doctor, okay? And if you guys are going to Twitter.com, I'm sorry, X.com, because Twitter is no more. It's weird. Elon, dumbass. But I still call it Twitter regardless, but it's X now. Whatever. Not the point. But people... We're trying to be Twitter doctors. It was pretty funny. Just you see a lot of people were like, well, this is what's going to happen with the calf injury. You know, and he better be careful because if he re-injures that, his season's over. Well, let's say he's going to be out for week one, maybe week two. And I'm just like, guys, do not buy into what people say on social media. OK, the only people you should be trusting with your source is whatever comes out in the Bengals' social media team. Whatever they tweet out saying, okay, Joe Burrow this is out for this amount of games, blah, blah, blah. He has this type of injury. And then you need to trust as well Bengals sources that are really in-depth with the team, that are really close with them. I know a few that I follow that I know that you know I can trust. After that, it's pretty much I don't really pay attention to anyone when it comes to news about any sport, especially Cincinnati sports, I know who I follow. I know who I trust when it comes to the sources and what I'm going to say on the podcast because they've been right before in the past. Now, this week, Joe Burrow was seen in the locker room with no limp. You can take that for a grain of salt, but I take that as I think the man is going to be okay. So... Anyone out there that's still freaking out about his injury, relax. Let the man heal. It's just a bummer that he doesn't get another normal offseason. He doesn't get a normal offseason, but I'd rather have the quarterback healthy for week one and healthy, knock on wood, throughout the whole season and into the playoffs, okay? Sure, do I want Joe Burrow to be out there in training camp with the team, getting those reps and connections with the teammates? Absolutely. Do I want him to play at least a play or two in the preseason? Yes, I would have wanted that. But I think for him, his regimen doesn't change. Like, the day of his injury, I think after he got done 
talking with the medical team and etc. That man did not leave Paycor Stadium until after 7.30 because he was with the team doing film. So Joe doesn't really let shit get to him. Sorry, family podcast. He really doesn't. He is still on schedule what he what he what he does. And the reason why he was there is because that's a standard for him. He's there because he just wants to win. He does. And I don't think he's gonna let a he's not gonna let a right calf injury do that. So and he loves his teammates and he wants to be there for support and he's the leader. He's a franchise leader. He's the quarterback. So when I when I read that, I was like, oh man. We're lucky that Joe Burr is the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. So enough of Joe Burr's calf. He's gonna be okay. Let him rehab it. He's still weightlifting. That man still has his workout regimen to the T. It doesn't stop him regardless. So I'm not really worried about his rehab. He's going to be fine. And I think he will be the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals in week one. Guarantee. And knock on wood on that too. Now with Joe being out for training camp in preseason... It's a big deal that the Bengals signed their backup quarterback in Trevor Simeon. And they also have Jake Browning, who is back with the team for another season. And they both been getting first team reps during practice this past week. Also, last Saturday, the Bengals had back together. Back together Saturday, where about 25, 30,000 Bengal fans Packed up Paul Brown Stadium. I still call it Paul Brown Stadium, but I know it's Paycor Stadium. They packed the core. And they pretty much watched the Bengals practice. Very solid crowd on a Saturday. Last Saturday was pretty hot too. So for all the Bengals fans to show up to Paycor Stadium in the midst of the heat, props to you guys. Now, so far we're about what, a week into training camp. And these are some of the players that I've seen through social media clips of Bengal beat writers at the practice fields recording these players and etc. Here are the players that really stick out to me. Honestly, Jamar Chase looks like he's gained some muscle. And that man can catch the football and he makes the difficult catches look so easy. Jamar Chase is on a mission in year three. To be the best receiver in the league. I know. We all know Justin Jefferson, Vikings, you know, do the gritty dance. That's his boy, LSU, blah, blah, blah. But I think Jamar Chase is, he's he's out to prove this to a lot of people. And year three of Jamar is going to be really, really, really special. I just have that feeling because he's just been putting the work in the offseason. And we're only into a week of training camp. And he's just just doing Jamar Chase things. And even better. Bengals are blessed to have him. And then DJ Turner. The Bengals third round pick out of Michigan. Oh, second round pick. Yeah, second round pick out of Michigan. Cornerback. He has looked really good. And he is definitely one of the future bright spots in defensive edge for the Bengals. Man. DJ Turner is fast. And... He's not backing down to Jamar Chase. They were going one-on-one. 
And I'm like, look at DJ Turner. Even though Chase is bigger, stronger, DJ Turner is obviously keeping up with him because he is very fast. He ran a 4.3 40-yard dash in the NFL Combine in Indianapolis in February. I like DJ Turner. I think he's going to make an impact on this Bengals defense this year. And then one player from the draft that not a lot of people talked about, but this guy has been really doing well in camp so far. DJ Ivy, seventh round pick out of Miami, Florida. In the back together Saturday, last Saturday, he had two interceptions and two pass breakups. He's been playing really well. And also, I've been watching film or videos of him of the Bengals reporters spying on him. And I'm like, this guy, he's pretty quick. And like DJ Turner, he's not backing down. So the two DJs on the team, obviously DJ Reader, a dog, obviously. But DJ Turner and DJ Ivy, well done. And I hope Ivy makes the team because he looks like a very solid backup cornerback and he just provides depth. And he's he's potentially might become a very, very good depth player in the cornerback room. So shout out to him. And then Cam Taylor Britt, year two for him. After playing a significant role last season towards the end of the year and in the playoffs, I think CTB is going to break out this year. And this man's just... He's such a vocal leader for being, he's not a rookie anymore, but for being a young player, there's a reason why the Bengals drafted him in the second round in 2022. He's that guy. And you saw what he did in the playoffs. You saw what he did in when the, the blah, 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 blah. words today cannot come out of my mouth really well. I apologize. But <laughs> Cam Taylor Bread. In the divisional round against the Buffalo Bills, he shut down Stephon Diggs. You didn't hear Diggs' name at all in that game. That's because of CTB. So I'm really looking forward for year two of Cam Taylor Britt. Now, with Joe being out with the injury, the Bengals did sign free agent quarterback Reed Sinet, former San Antonio Brahmas starter in the XFL. And most recent, he played with the Miami Dolphins. So he's going to provide depth in the quarterback room. And then former Bengal Eli Apple signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. How ironic that Tyreek Hill is a Dolphin. And then him and Eli are going to go at it <laughs> during training camp. So if you guys were following Last year's Bengals team, the Bengals took on the Miami Dolphins in the whiteout Bengal Tiger game with the helmets. Leading up to that game, that week, Eli Apple was talking shit to Tyree Kill on Twitter. And then Tyree Kill said something to the media saying that I'm going to, you know, own Eli. I mean, Eli Apple did get the best of him. Just saying. Look at the stats. He did. And now they're going to be teammates. I will miss Eli Apple because even though he did get burnt a couple of times in his time at Cincinnati, he was still a very good, solid player. He started. He added depth to the cornerback room. 
him talking shit on social media, it didn't really bother me. At times, I'd be like, yo, Eli, put down the phone. But overall, he was a very, very solid player for the Bengals. I think they will miss Eli when it comes to that. I really believe they will. So hopefully, DJ Turner and hopefully maybe DJ Ivy makes a team can fill that hole. So hope Eli does well in Miami. Good luck with your boy Tyree Kill because you guys are teammates now. So Trey Hendrickson was dealing with a minor lower body issue. Zach Taylor said the team is being very cautious with it. And Trey Henderson did return back to practice this week after being out for one day. So that's good news. And I trust the Bengals. Just don't don't risk it. You know, if Trey needs a couple of days off to just heal, I'm okay with that. Okay, as long as he can be 100% ready to go in week one, which he will be. Bengals new tight end, Irv Smith Jr., he has come in so far, and he's locked in. And I've been watching video on him on social media. During the camp practices, he looks really good. It's just a bummer that Joe Burr is not there because of his injury because I feel like this is probably going to be Joe Burr's best tight end he's had so far in his NFL career. I really believe so. So he's had CJ Uzama. He got him paid. Then last year, Hayden Hurst had a career here. He got paid, and I believe Joe Burrow is going to do the same with Irv Smith Jr. Now, the one knock on Irv is that he hasn't stayed healthy in his time when he was a Minnesota Viking. If he can stay healthy, watch out, because Irv's not really built like a tight end. He's pretty much built like a wide receiver, and for being a tight end, he is very athletic and very fast. Add into more pluses to Joe Burrow's offensive weapons that he has under his arsenal. So I'm looking forward to Irv this year in Cincinnati. Now, this week, Bengals running back Travion Williams, who is projected to be the Bengals running back too, came down with a mild ankle sprain. I saw that video when he was on the ground. I'm like, oh, come on. Training camp, I swear, guys. It's fun that football's back, but sometimes I'm like, damn, you just never know because camp injuries always happen. And you saw with Burrow, and you saw a couple of NFL teams this past week have had significant injuries to their players. So when I saw that Trevion Williams was down, I'm like, damn. But good news that he will only miss a couple of weeks. Bullet dodge right there. Knock on wood, no more injuries when it comes to the key positions on this Bengals teams, okay? We don't we don't need that. We don't need that. Please. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty much week one of Bengals training camp recap. And we'll do another recap of week two of the Bengals training camp next week. All right, so before I talk about the Reds, NFL, every year before the season, do a list of the top 100 players, okay? So far, we got two Bengals on that list. Number 75, Trey Henderson made the list. Well-deserved, because I believe he was number 70. I feel like he was in the top 70s last year. So, Trey is a very solid player and one of the, the best Bengals pass rusher on the team. 
So he comes in at number 75 for his performance last year. Number 39 on the list is Jamar Chase. Hmm. Jamar Chase is number 39. I, when I saw that, I was like, huh? Because in his rookie year, Jamar Chase was number 24. How the hell does this guy fall 15 spots in the NFL Top 100? Is it because he missed four games last year with that hip injury? Man still had 1,000 yards receiving. He's number 39 in this list. Now, there's a player on this list that is ahead of him who is also a receiver, CeeDee Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys, who is a very good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, but he is not better than Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is a top 25 NFL player. I don't know who votes on this list, but they really need to be drug tested. Unbelievable. I believe that Joe Burrow is going to be top 10 in this list. If he's not, then I don't let these things get to me, but like you guys got to have at least some common sense to the people that are voting on who's going to be the 100 best NFL players. Give me a break. And DJ Reader's not on this list? T. Higgins? Like, what? T. Higgins surprises me because he is definitely, he's at least a top 50 NFL player. He's not even on the list. DJ Reader should be top. He's a, DJ Reader's definitely a top 50 player too. But he's not on the list as well. Whatever. I don't, it, it, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. But I should not let it get to me. But these Bengals players, ever since Joe Burrow's come here, ever since the Bengals have gotten good, they still get disrespected. That's okay. Just keep sleeping on them. It's fine. It's fine. Just the way we like it. So the first preseason game for the NFL is tonight, the Hall of Fame game, as the New York Jets take on the Cleveland Browns. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff on NBC. Will I be watching that game? Absolutely not. So the Bengals' first preseason game is on the 11th of August against the Green Bay Packers at Paycor Stadium. And then at Atlanta against the Falcons on the 18th. And then at Washington against the Commanders on the 26th. And then it will be week one in Cleveland on September 10th. All right, let's move on to a different sports team in the in this city, and that's our beloved Cincinnati Reds. Last weekend in L.A. against the Dodgers, they take two or three from the mighty L.A. Dodgers. Game one, 6-5 thriller, and then game two, disappointed game, 3-2 loss. In that game, Luke Weaver, he went five innings, only allowed two hits. <clears throat> We're talking about Luke Weaver, the guy that has an ERA over seven and a half. And against that Dodgers team in LA, this guy only allowed two hits. And the Reds still lost. Bummer. But it's okay. Reds in game three on Sunday 
9-0 beatdown. Ellie De La Cruz went 4-5, for five, including a home run that went 411 feet to right field. Matt McClain had two home runs in this series, added a home run in the finale. And then Joey Votto connected on a 418-foot shot to right field. It was pretty much just straight-up domination by the Reds. Graham Ashcraft, six innings pitched, five hits, two strikeouts, no walks, no runs, 85 pitches. I think Graham is back. <clears throat> Ever since that DL stint, just him just going, to, just going away for a little bit, not thinking about baseball, getting healthy and et cetera, getting his mind right. I think Graham just has looked really good since he's been back and also since the All-Star break as well. So you're thinking, okay, after losing two out of three to the Brewers, then taking two out of three from the Dodgers, you got a big four-game series against the Chicago Cubs, who are also playing really good baseball, and they're one of the hottest teams in baseball. I'm thinking to myself, all right, just split this series, and we'll be good. Monday night, started off well. Reds win 6-5. At one point, trailed 6-1. Almost blew that game, but you know what? Doesn't matter. They got the W. Alexis Diaz went one, two, three. Alexis Diaz just looks absolutely dominant lately in his outings. <sighs> the last two nights, okay, between the Reds and Cubs have been utterly terrible, to say the least. Now, I don't use this analogy a lot, but if you guys are not into, like, serial killers like I am, just prepare yourself. I know this is a family podcast, but necrophilia has been happening the last two nights at Wrigley Field. And not in a good way for the Cincinnati Reds. Tuesday night, the Reds lose 20-9. Yes, the Chicago Bears defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 20-9. That's a football score. And then, Wednesday night, the Reds lose 16 to 6 after leading at one point in that game 5 to 2. The Cubs go on a 14 to 2 scoring run. Are you kidding me right now? The Reds have allowed 36 runs in two games. And you know what? The offense have scored 15 runs. And you know what? The reason why the Brewers have owned the Reds because their offense couldn't do shit. But now it's the reverse opposite against the Chicago Cubs where, you know what, the offense is, is scoring runs, but the pitching has been utter shit. Like, what are we doing? The Cubs have scored 42 runs in three games. And then on Wednesday night, the Reds committed four errors on defense, which is very, very, very unusual of them. Nick Senzel had three errors by himself. Like, what are we doing? Like, and then Ben Lively, poor Ben Lively. I mean, dude had to go four innings. He allowed 13 runs and 13 hits. He had to do it because the fucking bullpen is really gassed right now. Luke Maley, the Reds catcher, had to pitch in two of these games. <clears throat> the first game, the 20-9 blowout, he went one a third inning. Allowed five hits and five runs. Shit. Sam Mole, who the Reds acquired from the Oakland A's on Monday. Hey, he pitched really well in relief. One, he pitched one and a half innings. One hit, 
three strikeouts through 20 pitches. Great addition. We need another left-hander in the bullpen. Good for Sam Moore. Welcome to the team. Then Luke Maley pitched on Wednesday because the Reds were getting their asses kicked again. Pitched one inning, three hits, two and runs. So it was a lot better than he did on Tuesday. Then then Ben Lively, who was on the I.O. previously with a pec injury, was now back in the aisle again because of another injury to his, not an injury injury, same injury to his pec. How ironic, right? You allow 13 runs, 13 hits? Shit, my pec. Unfortunately for him. Okay, okay. I just had to, had to get that out because <laughs> these last two games have been very frustrating. As we said, August 3rd, the Reds have a lead in the division over the Brewers by a half game. Don't look now, but the Chicago Cubs are three back. And as I record this podcast, it's Thursday. The Reds have one more game against the Chicago Cubs. They have to win that game. They have to. And on the mound tonight for the Cincinnati Reds is Luke Weaver. That game against the Dodgers where he allowed two hits on Saturday night, that was definitely a mirage. That is not going to happen again. Oh, boy. I can see the Cubs scoring 10-plus runs again. But you know what? Let's stay positive, okay? The Reds have overcome a lot of stuff this year from losing seven games in a row and then proceeding to win a series and just they've overcome a lot, okay? Can they overcome allowing 36 runs in two games? We will see. We will see. Then after tonight, they get back home to Great American Ballpark to take on against the Washington Nationals, a very pesky Nationals team that just took two out of three from the Milwaukee Brewers. Helped the Reds out, definitely. And then the Miami Marlins coming to town next week, and they're battling for Dano Wildcard spots as well. Trying to remain calm. This is still a this is still a very solid Reds team. Now a lot of you, some of you guys, are wondering, well, Jesse, see, that's what they get. 36 runs in two games. That's what they get for not doing anything in the trade deadline. <sighs> okay. I get it. Maybe the Reds should have gotten a starter in a trade deadline. Okay? I agree they should have done that. But I'm not really too hung up on it, to be honest. I think the Reds just stayed put because they are waiting for Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo to return to the starting rotation. We need those two back because right now that Reds bullpen, it is gassed right now. It really is. And I knew it was going to happen. Unfortunately, it's happening in one of the biggest series in the in the season so far in Chicago. The starters have to be better. They have to go over six innings. None of this four and a two-thirds, five innings bullshit. The bullpen, they cannot do four innings, five innings every night. They're, gonna, they're already gassed. And if we hit the September, they're going to be more gassed. And then they're not. this team is not going to make that playoff run that everyone wants them to do. Or make the playoffs, okay? Shit. I'm not thinking about playoff run. I'm just thinking about how can this bullpen survive another month and a half. Got to get pitching 
<laughs> the pitching staff has to be better. I know what I'm going to get with Luke Weaver, okay? But Brandon Williamson has been better. He didn't pitch really. He was okay Wednesday night. He walked a lot of batters. <clears throat> and then we don't know what the situation of Ben Lively because he re-injured his peck. So Graham Ashcraft looks like Graham again. Old Graham, which is good, which is good news. We just gotta hope that when Green and Lodola do come back, would they would would they be the most the their old selves? We'll see. But damn, but damn, 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 that bullpen is <laughs> it's on E right now. It's hanging by a thread. Gotta be better. Gotta win tonight. They don't win tonight, then it's it's already a three team race in the National League Central Division. With the Reds and Brewers. Cubs takes three out of four. You put the Cubs in there. Whew. <clears throat> Wildness coming up. We're pretty much in the dog days of summer when it comes to baseball. Let's see how this young Reds team. Let's see how they can. Prove themselves or just. Can they. And I said this. A, I think it's about a month ago. How would they react to certain losing streaks? They bounce back well after losing six in a row or seven in a row. How can they bounce back after getting absolutely annihilated in back-to-back games against the Chicago Cubs where you allow that many runs in that span? Let's see how they can react. I want to see how this long team can do that. Now, Jonathan India is on a deal with a heel injury. So that's unfortunate. People are saying, "Well, what do you mean? He's he's very he's definitely not a liability." Well, yeah, but <clears throat> India, he can still get hot here and there. You know, his defense is definitely <laughs> it's not helping, obviously. But he can go a stretch when he can hit the baseball here and there. So hopefully, he can come back real soon. Listen, it's great that the Reds are relevant in August. It really is. Talking about them, talking about them in the playoff race is great. But also, damn, man, like football's about to start, but my mind is just thinking about how this young Reds team can keep this up. And I think they will. I really believe so. They can overcome this. But you have to win tonight. Okay, before I leave, <laughs> I was on ESPN.com, and I have ESPN+. Plus. And I saw an article from this dude ranking the NFL playoff repeat contenders from 1 to 14, right? I'm going to leave you guys with this. Number one, he has the Chiefs. He said because they're the Chiefs. That's what he said. Number two is the Eagles. He said it's a long way from the top. That's what she said. Pause. Number three, the Dallas Cowboys. He said they have a high floor. I'm telling you, man, everyone always said the Dallas Cowboys are America's team. And quote, Cowboys have talent, but you know what the Cowboys would do in week 18 when they went again into the wild card round? They choke. Number four, he has the Buffalo Bills. He said they might have been the league's best team last season. Huh? I think the Bills are a good football team, but 
this guy is, he's definitely a troll. The Bills, they might have been the best team in the league last year. Really? The same team that the Cincinnati Bengals shellacked in the divisional round? That's your definition of the best team in the league last year? Okay, Bill. Number five, he has the 49ers, and he said, they also might have been the league's best team, he put quote-unquote for most of last season. I think the Niners are, they do have one of the best teams in the league, for sure. Now, they have quarterback issues, but that defense, lethal. And the Bengals get to see that defense this year. Can't wait. And number six, he has the Bengals. And he said the AFC North is harder than it seems. And Bill pretty much means that the Bengals are going to get challenged by the Ravens, obviously, because Lamar Jackson's back. They added some receivers, and their defense is still solid. And then he thinks the Cleveland Browns and Deshaun Watson, year two, he's going to be better, and the offense is going to be better. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, can they pick it? Year two for him is going to be better. And you can't count out a Mike Tomlin coach team. The the Bengals continue to get disrespected. This Bill guy who wrote this article, you, sir, are on drugs. You need to be drug tested. All right, guys. I am out. You guys have a good weekend. Let's hope the Reds can win a game in Chicago. They just split that series. If not, then it's going to be a stressful next month. And we're going to have more Bengals training camp news for you guys next week. And a recap of week two of training camp. And then, football season's ahead. And also, we're going to talk about UC football. And I'm going to do a podcast here in about a couple of weeks, going through the Bearcats football schedule, predicting how the season's going to go, and etc. You guys have a good weekend. Talk to you guys next week. I am out. Peace.